You've probably heard me talk about my dog, Jackson. He's my baby boy. And as he's gotten older, he's gotten really finicky about eating. He used to get so excited about food, he'd literally spin. Well, not anymore. In fact, I often have to spoon feed him to get him to eat. Well, no more. Not since we started feeding him fresh food made with whole ingredients, backed by veterinary science. It's Nom Nom. Now, I actually tried making food for him myself. I'd cook up big batches of chicken or beef with vegetables and rice or potatoes. But without knowing what I was doing, he wasn't getting the vitamins and minerals he needed and certainly not in the correct balance. That's all changed now with Nom Nom. Go to trynom.com, T-R-Y-N-O-M.com slash Nicole. They'll ask you some questions about your pup and tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them to you. By using my special URL, trynom.com slash Nicole, you'll get 50% off of your first order, plus free shipping, and it's a great way to help support this show too. Again, that's trynom.com slash Nicole. plus Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. The word is about There's something evolving Whatever may come The world keeps revolving They say the next big thing is here That the revolution's near But to me it seems quite clear That it's all just a little bit of history repeating Well, we made it to Friday, and the former guy hasn't been arrested. Hmm, go figure. He told us it was going to happen Tuesday, but in typical Trump fashion, it was just another lie. Yes, the nation's con man in chief said he would be arrested on Tuesday to start the money flowing to him again. And it worked, just as expected. The former guy took in $1.5 million in the first three days after he lied and said his arrest was coming on Tuesday. His followers just don't learn. So here we are. I never did have to jump in with a live show this week, and I'll be back Monday, maybe even without glasses. See, I had cataract surgery on Monday and decided to take the rest of the week off to rest and take care of other things that I've been neglecting. Here on the show, we've spent much of the week going back through my archives drawing on shows from March in years past. But today, we're going to revisit a day from November of 2016. It was November 18th, and the unthinkable had just happened a couple of weeks earlier. Yes, the 2016 presidential election. And thanks to the idiocy of the electoral college system, we elected a dotard, to quote Kim Jong-un, president. Now, I had been off the air for a few months leading up to the 2016 elections because in the summer I was diagnosed with lung cancer. I underwent surgery at the end of August and came back just a few weeks before the election. Now, before I went on hiatus, one of my regular weekly guests was an amazing man named Joel Silberman. I could spend the rest of the hour telling you about Joel and the great work he did. But I will say that at that time, again, November 2016, just days after the presidential election, Joel was a media trainer. He worked with personalities and public figures, teaching them how to be effective in interviews, how to deal with the media. And since he dealt with the media on a daily basis, our segment was about cutting through the media bullshit. Well, unfortunately, about a year and a half later, after this episode, 
Joel lost his battle with pancreatic cancer, and I lost one of my favorite people on the planet. So today, I thought we'd end the week, this week of memories, with one of Joel's appearances on the show. He was great at talking me down, which was really necessary (laughs) around that time. And then we'll end the week with some musical food for the soul, an interview and performance from the great Boss Gags. Now, it blows my mind that this one goes back almost 30 years to August of 1994. As my friend Bill Moomy says, time is a bizarre river. That it is. Anyway, let's get in the Wayback Machine. First stop, November 18th, 2016. It's the Nicole Sandler Show on the Progressive Voices Network. And now it's time to cut through the media bullshit. With Joel Silberman of DemocracyPartners.com on the Nicole Sandler Show. Oh, Joel Silberman, boy, have I missed you. And have I missed you. It's so nice to hear your voice and be on the radio with you. Yes, it is. So you, uh, you know, in fact, it was actually a couple of weeks, I think, before I went on hiatus that you had to to beg off for a little while because you started working with um, some candidates and and I changed my airtime and it just wasn't working out. But now elections are over and it's back to the real grind because the outcome is not what any of us expected, is it? No, we did not get the outcome that we wanted, even though we have won the popular vote. And clearly, more Americans wanted us than wanted the other guy. Uh, The thing that I notice is that we now have a president who's only been voted for by one in four Americans. Mm -hmm. That's not what I call a mandate. No, not at all. And in fact, the votes were pretty close. But as you mentioned, Hillary Clinton, I think, is about a million and a half votes ahead right now. And there are still lots of votes left to be counted. But half of the country didn't vote at all. Yes. And that's the part that bothers me the most. Yeah. Because what we're saying essentially in this election is that half of the country didn't think that voting serves them. They don't believe that there's anything in the political process that's going to change their lives. And boy, I couldn't disagree with them more. And are we about to see just how voting changes lives? Yeah, well, we are. Um, in a big way. I mean, look, I, I go back and forth. You know, I keep hearing all these calls and for people, everyone going, well, what if we impeach Trump before he even takes office? Well, then we're left with Mike Pence. And I hate to say it, Mike Pence is even worse. At least Donald Trump somewhere in the not too distant past was a was a Democrat. He was pro-choice. He wasn't the uh, the hateful bigot that he has turned into. And I really think this is the effect of watching too much Fox. Yes. Well, I have to say that in all honesty, I don't know what Donald Trump is. Yeah. I know that he's an actor and I know that he will say anything because that's what actors do. Yeah. They say what makes an audience happy. I know that he loves his attention, and attention is the most important thing to him. So, therefore, he's going to do whatever gets him the most attention. And I know that we've been, and I'm quoting Van Jones here, Mm -hmm. in a reality television social media election where the villain is the hero. Because if you're in social media or on reality television, you get more followers if you're the bad guy than if you're the good guy. Isn't that true? The news media was played for suckers for this. I've said it all along. I've written about it. I was on uh, the air talking about it. This is a moment when 
people were played and they were played by the moment that we're in 2016 reality television show America. Yeah. And so now we've got a reality television show presidency. We also know the word of the year this year is post truth. <laughs> I was fascinated by that word. I'd never heard a word like that. Right. Post truth. The yeah. idea that <laughs> what the truth is, even though you know that's not the truth. You know what? So, you know where I think that started, Joel. It's when people, when the dictionary, or I think the Merriam-Webster dictionary, changed the definition of the word literally to mean not literally. People right. would use the word li literally in a, when they're describing something that is not literal, and so rather than you know w correct them as dictionaries should, they said, oh, we'll just change the meaning of the word. So literally now means not not really literally, which uh, gives rise to this post-truth era and fake news. I mean, the fake news, fake news we've had at Saturday Night Live weekend update. But this is not that. This is fake. This is fake news posing as real news. These websites, and I mentioned earlier, Blue Nation Review. So I could bring it to our side because Blue Nation Review, when it started, was a an aggregator leaning left. And then it was bought by David Brock and his gang, and they turned it into a pro-Clinton propaganda site. Well, there's a few of them on the left, but there are probably hundreds of them on the right, which just went over time uh, electing Donald Trump president. Well, they went over time doing everything they can to create a false media narrative. And when we're running an election that is based on headlines, ratings, and profits by the media, not based on facts or based on reporting. You know, I've said journalists report the news, media exploits the news. Yeah. Uh -huh. And I think that's a big difference in how people need to think about this idea of what the, this thing we call media. Media is not news as a journalist. Media is an exploiter definitionally. The fake news sites became a way to influence a media narrative by repeating something over and over again until the repeated words become the truth. You know, I always say that what, when you look at a bottle of shampoo and you see lather, rinse, repeat, why do they say repeat? Your hair is already clean when it's been washed. <laughs> Money. They say right. repeat because right. they want to sell more shampoo. That's of course. Right. And that's the message school of lather, rinse, repeat. Mm -hmm. Because if you repeat something often enough, it becomes an accepted truth. And that's what we've seen in this election. So it wasn't, you know, I mean, I love it. Donald Trump says things. Then he says, that's not true. Then everybody repeats, that's not true. And then all of a sudden, you see videotape of him saying it. And somebody says to you, but that's not true. And I'm going, I'm watching it. Uh -huh. What do you think is not true? Right. I'm listening to it with my ears, watching with my eyes. Uh, how is it not true? Well, it's not true because everybody told me it's not true. That's just not working for me. Right. Well, uh, you know, here's a, 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 um, a story that I tell. Back 20, 30 years ago, I worked in, the, it was in Los Angeles. I worked at um, uh, KLOS. I worked on a big morning show, Mark and Brian. And the Dodgers, this one year, won the World Series. And the guys were talking about, oh, we want to get such and such a player on. And I said, well, you know, just put it out there on the air. We were talking on the air. I said, because they listen to us in the locker room. And one of the guys said, they do? I said, I just said it on the radio. It's got to be true. 
Uh-huh. You know, that's how it works. And so much nonsense is spread. And now, because all it takes to put up a new site is, you know, it, it, it's so simple. You don't even have to build your own site. You could go to Wix or whatever, and you have instant website in five minutes and slap a name on it. Anybody can call their website, their podcast, their, uh, you know, their their Periscope feed news because there's nothing that prevents them from doing it. So, look, I feel there's real journalists out there working, um, trying to cut through all the bullshit that's popped up around them that calls yeah, itself there, news. There are real journalists, and yeah. I've seen a lot of them. And I'm proud to have actually gotten to be in a piece written by Jim Fallows at The Atlantic, who's nice. a real journalist. Yes, he is. And Oh, my God, what a thrill to talk to somebody who had that depth of knowledge, who really did want to talk about two sources and <laughs> right. you couldn't state a fact unless you could make a fact and he was going to check you on a fact and i went wow this is really thrilling right. i thought i was actually doing the front page for a moment um but that's a play not a reality for most newsrooms today that's true that's and the well problem is that most newsrooms have become a permeable membrane between management and the news reporting and editorial pages and what sells is what is put into newspapers or media. And that's permeating too many of the most important media outlets that we know. Clearly, there's this thing called the media narrative, and then there's this thing called what's really happening. Mm -hmm. And when they overlap, you get booked on cable TV because you're talking about their narrative in the order in which they want to report it. Sure. But if you're and not in the order or you want to talk about something else, you're not booked. And if you buck the system enough, you're never booked. That's the game today. And it's so all in the in the quest for the almighty dollar. And this is what's so infuriating. People watch Donald Trump to see what's he going to say next. Oh, my God. He's going to offer to pay the legal fees for people who beat up protesters at his rallies. And so it's the train wreck that you can't turn away from. So CNN ran these rallies ad nauseum uninterrupted, giving him over $3 billion worth of free airtime. Um, that's why Donald Trump didn't have to spend $3 billion on his campaign, because it was given to him by these TV networks that got some kind of a ratings bump out of it. But what we got is in this alternate universe, we got President Trump. And Jeff Zucker says, well, in retrospect, he's the guy who runs uh, CNN. In retrospect, maybe we shouldn't have run so many rallies, you know, start to finish, uh, you know, without any pushback. You think? Well, my favorite, of course, is Joe Scarborough, who oh. said, you know, we've stopped letting him call in now. Oh, right. Uh, uh, and so now, instead, we're going to talk about him for two hours and 45 minutes out of three hours. And the other 15 minutes, we'll bash Hillary for her emails. Right. Wow. So... He has already established and baked his character in. But the things that are upsetting me the most, you know, I've just finished um, producing a conference for the Women Donors Network, and I got to listen to a lot of pro progressive activists come and speak to them. I was the only man in the room as their producer, and I sat in the back, and I didn't have anything to say, which, as you know, for me is really <laughs> different. Yes. But what was really great about it is I got to watch the process. I got to watch black activists, field people on the ground, turn to a room that was mostly white and say, women, where were you? Mm -hmm. And I had to listen to that 
And then I heard Saru Jeremiah speak, the woman who speaks up for uh, stopping this process of tipped workers getting a lower minimum Good. wage yes. than other workers. Uh -huh. If you know Saru, she is brilliant. But she talked about how sexism and sexual abuse is baked into the cake. And she does it through the model of service work because being a waitress is an entry-level job for at least 50% of the female yeah. population. On their job as a waitress, um, I think it's like 75 to 80% of them are going to be sexually harassed, if not what I would consider to be sexually abused on the job. Mm -hmm. And when that's your entry-level job at college, and you get a mindset of, if I can put up with this, I'm going to make enough money to be at this job. So that's just the way it is. That's how this boys will be boys narrative is baked into a cake that include a cake of women. Yeah. I kept asking this question. How did that happen? And Saru and I had a conversation about it. And that's where that happens. It happens because sexism and sexual abuse is accepted as normal behavior in certain circles. And I can honestly say, as a survivor of rape when I was a 15-year-old mm. boy, that that is not normal behavior. No. That it is about power, and it's about domination, and it's about really... A horrible thing. Well, and, and now, Joel, baked in is just awful. It is awful, but but you know, the talk about you know controlling the narrative. Everything shifted with this election because now, all of a sudden, you would think that that Access Hollywood tape would have changed things. And of course, the immediate reaction from most of us is, "It's over. He's done." Donald Trump bragged about grabbing women by the pussy and you know kissing them just because he wants to because they look good to him. Um, and we all went, oh, my God, okay, well, he's done. And he said, no, I'm not. This is fine. Not only is it fine with a, a number of enough Americans to at least give him the Electoral College, but now in the wake of the election, there are reports, at least hundreds of reports of young men doing this to women and saying, well, you know, the president says it's okay. Yep, it's disgraceful. It, it's so obvious to me. What, what disappointed me the most, I had to ask myself, when Saru said this with what you've just said, when, when I saw this happen, I asked, well, let's ask a question. There was this book, Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, yeah. Men did not make that book a hit. No. Well, women like sex, and women fantasize, too. And I, I believe, and I read the book, written so poorly Hey, ladies, you know what? If you want the like the soft core porn, there's plenty of it out there written well. Anais Neen, you know, pick up some of her stuff. There's tons of it out there that's actually good literature. It just happens to have graphic sex scenes in it. This, the Fifty Shades stuff, is not that. Um, uh, what's her name? Anne Rice. If you want, you know, really hardcore like that was in some places. Anne Rice wrote the Sleeping Beauty trilogy. Yep. That She's a great writer. Uh, there's stuff that even, you know, that shocked me. But I read those 20 years ago and talked about them on the radio in Los Angeles. And they and this these obscure books, this trilogy made the L.A. Times bestseller list. That's yep. the power, you know, women want that stuff, but but they don't want to be assaulted. There are a lot of people there. I, I think the majority of us probably aren't prudes, um, but it doesn't mean we want you know, we give men the power to grab us. 
you know. That- well, I think that's the thing that, that we have to talk about, which is this idea that people get permission for something that they should, they, they don't have permission to do that. No. Uh, fantasy not. is not permission. Exactly. Fantasy is fantasy. But this blurring of this line and what's accepted, that's what's driving me nuts. What's accepted? What is accepted behavior? So I did look at this election and I did listen and watch who voted for whom. Um, I think that, you know, I have my own particular feelings about how Democrats have ignored their population in huge arrogance mm-hmm. in a way that, you know, they got the, the turnout turned out to be what happens when you ignore your, your base, when you don't talk to your base, when you believe that, you know, you don't have to, That's you don't right. have to defend yourself. You don't have to really do the work of campaigning. You're entitled to it. Well, I guess we learned that nobody's entitled to it. <laughs> no, and they, and we don't do it's my turn. That's oh something the Republicans I'm so did. Tired of my and, turn. and the Democrats did it this time. Um, but Joel, you know what? You, I want to ask you um, about something else because what we generally we talk about whatever we feel like talking about here, but the, you know the media is sort of our entry point. And you did this event. You produced this, the Women's Donor, Donor Network, right? So mm-hmm. this is where um, women, uh, progressives, with money, um, what we don't have on our side of the aisle is support, financial support, by anybody to build a media network. We we used to, well, have Their America, which was so flawed from day one um, and, and had all, obviously, a lot of problems uh, in management even. But it would really be nice if we could find an entity on the left that would support what I try to do here. We could use funding. I mean, I beg every day for listeners to pitch in to do the old public radio model because I refuse to put the show behind a paywall for a number of reasons. It would really be nice if somebody with money on our side got behind us the way that the moneyed right gets behind their media because they realized that's the way to the voters. Well, I could not agree with you more. And in fact, I'm going to have a meeting tomorrow at lunch about just this. Cool. I feel like we've got to build a multi-platform channel that allows for all of the liberal media that you and I adore Mm -hmm. to have a place where they can come together, where they can share a platform so that they have a a place, almost an app, if you will, or a YouTube-based channel. But it has to be multi-platform. It can't just be Facebook or YouTube or. This has got to be across the board so that what we're seeing in people that are using lots of channels to reach people. But What I'd like to see us be able to do is do it so that it's mobile instantly. People can get it on their devices so that they can carry it with them and it's portable. It's got to be something that has um, the ability to be live if it wants to be, but also the ability to be something people can call up on demand. On demand. Because we do not work in a world where everybody lives on a schedule. Right. I don't expect that everybody we want, you and I want to talk to today is going to be here at 3.30 Eastern time. Right. They're going to be here when they know you and they'll come to your channel. But if we were able to say, hey, Nicole's got Joel on and they're available on our channel, just go to this, come to our, come to our app and find them, people could find that and want it. And when you wanted to promote something, you could promote it to that channel. And the data that we collect from who's on the channel, who's, who is a part of it, could be a very valuable and self-sustaining piece of 
property that could support the channel. Right. What I'm trying to look for is how do we support it? The Air America model failed because it was a bad business model. And you know, we are heard right now, right at this very moment, on the Progressive Voices Network. It's an app, but you know, there it's it's sort of uh, and and look, the guys behind it, they do a great job with with no support. You know, they're, right. they're out there looking for underwriters or advertisers. There, there is a, a nonprofit component to it, um, but they're also, you know, sending out emails to listeners saying, hey, we need your help to keep going. Uh, you know, on the right, they have 10 times the amount of uh, right-wing media outlets pushing their message um, and the thing that's always gotten to me is the people, we, we, the ones doing this media, the independent media like mine, we're carrying the water, we're chopping the wood, and they don't even say thank you. Um, that's the hard part. That's the, you know, that's the days I get really frustrated and say, why do I do this? I'm not talking about the listeners. I'm talking about the candidates. You know, Hillary Clinton did a lot of radio. I don't think she, and I, I don't expect her to do my show because I wasn't exactly a, you know, her cheerleader. But there were plenty of radio shows who were, and she didn't go on them. They take us for granted. They figure we're always going to be here. Yet if they don't support us, we can't always be here. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that we need to find ways in which we can multi-platform where. We have to be able to be open source and be able to make a living. Mm -hmm. People can't make a living. They can't run media companies to do this. And they don't have to all be at the scale of, you know, um, CNN, MSNBC, no. or one of the other legacy media networks. And those legacy media networks are losing money right now. They had their cash cow election, and they did really, really well. Um, there's no question that they used it for themselves. Now they only have themselves to blame yeah. if they don't like what they're seeing. Um, I, you know, my cry crocodile tears for uh, Jeff Zucker and uh, what I call Entertainment Tonight Light, also known <laughs> as CNN. Right. It's ridiculous. Uh, and MSNBC um, is just now desperately looking for what it's going to do in the post-election world. Now our horse race is... Who is in the transition? And I'm laughing because Trump is a real estate developer. You know what real estate developers do? When they come to make you an offer, they deliberately insult you and make you outraged. So they want to buy your property and they say they'll give you X, which is an insulting offer. And you scream at them and you go, how dare you insult me like that? You're disgusting. Get out of my house. Get out of my property. Go away. And then two weeks later, they come back with another offer, which is still disgusting, but you look at yourself and you go, well, after what they just offered, this is reasonable. Yeah. Trump is doing that with the transition. Oh, He's dribbling out the most outrageous name, Rudy Giuliani for Secretary of State. Never happened. John Bolton never. for Secretary of right. State. Never oh, my God. Happened. So then when he puts out Mitt Romney, we go... Okay, well, that one's good. Well, no, not really. Not but really. compared to the others, <laughs> I guess it, this is the world we're in now. Right, and that's what he's doing. That's exactly how this game is being played. And I don't understand why people aren't catching on. God knows I'm screaming it from the rooftops. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> you know, that's an opening bid, I say. He's not really doing anything. He's just giving you the opening bid. Yep. But what I will tell you is that on his acceptance speech, 
I looked at his body language, and as you know, oh. I'm an expert at this. Yes, you are. He looked terrified. He didn't look cocky. He mm -hmm. didn't look like the guy who was in front of his rallies. He looked like a guy who somebody, probably Jared Kushner, mm -hmm. sat down with and said, Sir, you are now the president-elect, and the market is down 800 points. <laughs> that didn't Every last very long. Every step you yep. take now is another 100 points down. And by the way, this is how much your portfolio lost now. <laughs> and it's your okay. fault. And but it came right back. It's all be your fault. And so that's how he looked the night he accepted. Yep. The man who sat in the chair next to President Obama <laughs> was looked terrified. a lot smaller yes. than the man who was at his rallies. That's very true. A lot smaller. And I remember what President Obama said when he had his first, you know, the deep secrets briefing when they give you the briefing that really is the truth or mm -hmm. what the military industrial complex tells you is the truth. Yep. Obama said he was grateful he was in a room with windows that had bars on it because if they didn't have bars on it, he might have jumped. God. So you can only imagine how Trump felt when he heard the truth, which has always been a you know fungible item for him. He was horrified, shocked, and noticeably frightened. And that's what I've seen all the way along. So all these old hands coming in and what's going to happen, look, this is not going to be good, but... We'll see what happens. Right. You've seen the movie, I'm sure, The Candidate with Robert Redford. This is that. They groomed yep. him. They got him. And he won. And the last shot of the movie, they're in the backseat of the car rushing <laughs> away from the crowds. <clears throat> and he goes, what do we do now? That's right. That's exactly what this is. And what do we do now is the frightening part of this. So now is when these people rush in. I agree with what you said. Mike Pence is much scarier than Donald Trump. He's a real believer. Donald Trump doesn't believe in shit. Right. He's exactly. Like, you know, Any way the wind blows. Tell me what to believe, right. and I'll believe. Whoever it, you know? last whispers in his ear, that's what he comes right. out with. So, but 100%. the problem is the people he's surrounding himself with, who will be whispering in his ear, are the worst of the worst. So I don't know. I don't know what we do from here, except keep screaming talking about everything he's doing, the people that he's bringing in, shouting. I think our shouts maybe have uh, did away with the idea of John Bolton for Secretary of State. We need to make our voices heard, but to do that, we need our part of the media. <laughs> so, That's right. Yeah. 100%. Well, I'm fighting for that tomorrow in my meeting, and you and I will have more discussions about this. Well, terrific. And Joel Silberman, I hope we can carve out a, a at least semi-regular time to get you back on with I us. I am going to be determined to do it. I miss you terribly. So well, I miss this you is a too. Privilege. Thank you for being here. I wish he still was. Joel Silberman lost his battle with pancreatic cancer in 2018. And he is so sorely missed. I thought we could use some of Joel's words of wisdom today as I wrap up a week of uh, kind of best of shows. I hate calling them best of, but you know, uh, shows from the past as we dig through our archives. And we'll end the week with some musical soul food. <laughs> Music works wonders in caring for our soul and psyche. So today we go back to a, a radio station in Los Angeles, no longer in existence. It's KSCA-FM 101.9. It had just been on the air about a month. The date was August 5th, 1994, and I had the honor of hosting Boz Skaggs in the studio. Here's how it went. I see Boz sitting with guitar in hand. 
Hi, thank you for Hi. joining us today. Thanks, nice to be here. Well, it's great to have you here, and uh, congratulations on a wonderful new record, Some Change. Mm, thank you. Like how long, like how long yeah. were you working on this? Uh, on the album, about, uh, we started in January of 1993 and finished in December of 1993, so 10 or 11 months with a few uh, well-chosen vacations. How about the writing process? It's hard to say. You know, a lot of these songs are ideas that have been floating around for anywhere for, from a few minutes to a few years, and they, they come together uh, in bits and pieces. I don't really sit down and just, you know, knock them out. So, mm -hmm. I don't know. I guess some of the ideas are four or five years old. Some of them were just spontaneous. Well, what's nice, looking through it, is the majority of these songs were written solely by Boss Gag. So mm -hmm. this is truly your record. And, Probably uh, it, more than any record that I've ever made, yeah. And in reading your bio, it says, um, it, it, for, first and foremost, it's a vehicle for your voice. Mm -hmm. And your voice sounds wonderful. Well, it? thanks. Thanks a lot. Yeah, you, you sort of uh, eliminate a lot of other things when you really think about um, just trying to make something that uh, fits your voice and your and your um, you know whatever you do if you're a guitar player keyboard player we tend to, to uh, in these days of, of of a lot of a lot of technology stack um, a lot of things together there's a lot of you know synthesizers and reverbs and uh, beautiful studio facilities that we tend to sort of get enthralled by and forget about what we're really all about and essentially i'm a singer and a and a um, and a guitar player and write songs sometimes and mm. it's hard to keep that out front sometimes though and it seems like that's what we're returning to in uh, the music of 1994 I think so. yeah i think it's, a, it's things are very healthy in the 90s in that way uh we sort of went through a whole lot of a lot of music with uh, in the in the 80s and it, it, there was a lot of technology that got us away from singers and songs and the basics. And so it's a return to that. I Maybe MTV so. Unplugged, the popularity of that brought it out to the forefront. But that's mm -hmm. a lot what this radio station is about, and that's what this album really shows. It shows the talent of the songwriting and of, of the real music that's there. Um, okay. You've been doing this for a long, long time. You started when you were about 15 with mm -hmm. Steve Miller. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I started before Steve, but yeah, back then... Uh, um, yeah, I have been doing it a long time. I, th I think that uh, most people who um, sh who have an interest in music probably start showing it, you know, when they're you know kids or early teenagers or whatever. And and then uh, there are those who uh, find that they can't do anything else in the world and uh, or can't put it aside, and they remain to be called musicians. Uh -huh. I'm one of those. And the t and have the talent to do it. Talent is part of it, but I think it is the love of music that plays a bigger role sometimes than talent. I think that there are a lot of musicians who are certainly a lot more talented than I am in terms of, uh, but uh, I love music, you know, perhaps more. I, I don't know. You know, it, talent's, a, as someone once said, a, ch a cheap commodity. Uh, and then there are those who just stick it out and don't know how to do anything else. Well, and, and there are those who are modest, because there are those like me who love music <sighs> but don't have the talent, so I play other people's music on the radio. <laughs> Uh, Boz Gags is our guest here at FM 101.9. You're sitting with a guitar, and Scott's over there in front of the keyboard. Would you guys do one for yeah, us? Yeah, sure. I'm joined by Scott Plunkett, musician extraordinary, and we're going to uh, we'll do uh, Some Change, the title song off the album. Great. <laughs> Change comes down for the better 
take that in two But like some change in your pocket Sometimes it seems to be too little too late I guess it's time to break out a few pesos Cause I'm getting to where I like the view And if you're feeling lucky Ain't just passing through You might change some too Was it time I was low down for action Red hot as a road Certified guaranteed satisfaction One happening fool was missing the boat and I know I was missing in my country mile So like Noah says you better wake up you don't want to get stuck in this zoo and then he leaves the dock he ain't waiting around for you be prepared to change some too
Gags live on FM 101.9. Some changed the title track from the brand new album with Scott Plunkett on keyboard. Sounded great. Um, you are playing tomorrow night and Sunday night at House of Blues. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are very upset because those shows sold out rather quickly, so they won't have the chance to see you. Do you tour very often? Uh, not so much. Uh, it's been a while. I've been off for a while. Um, but we are now. At what? least we've um, we started out... Uh, we start out with some dates um, in Japan. We were away for about three and a half weeks, and now we're just doing some quick ones here on the West Coast, and then we'll start uh, playing back east uh, the first part of September, and we'll see where it goes from there. We hope to be back here before the year's out with a, uh, maybe um, some other shows. I think I remember the last time you did a show here that you were on stage in Southern California. Mm -hmm. You maybe did something more recently but i don't think so it was a special tribute show it was at the universal amphitheater and it was mm -hmm. for jeff picaro mm -hmm. um now uh you dedicated this album to jeff i did yeah uh when i um <clears throat> started making this record when i started putting the material together i called jeff and uh we were doing some demos and so uh i was thinking about him um and um as i was starting this thing and then uh, he very suddenly passed away and uh just the shock of that i think left left a lot of of us uh, since that time thinking a lot about jeff and couldn't help uh through uh, through the recording process to think uh you know sort of relate to bounce it off what what uh, what jeff might have done here or there and i don't know just his spirit was uh, was around and uh it's of course troubling that that he's not with us but on the other hand uh, he he gave us all a lot of inspiration and, and probably will continue to for a long time mm -hmm. one of the great rock and roll drummers of all time yeah I think. he sure was and, uh, great, I, great musicians and great guys yeah i just found out i spoke to steve a little while ago who sends his best steve mm -hmm. Picaro. steve his brother his I brother think, yeah and uh today is two years since jeff died which i today? didn't realize I mean, it was this so. weekend sometime yeah. yeah um so you did the show with the members of toto and uh steve lukather was there and eddie van halen and george harrison the Universal Amphitheater. And, um, Don Henley and Donald yeah. Fagan. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was a quite a memorable night. Yeah, a real nice tribute. Yeah. What will we expect in the, the show tonight? Um, or we're tomorrow gonna, night? Uh, tomorrow night, yeah, on Sunday. Um, we're going to do some things off this new album, and we're going to do some things that uh, people are probably familiar with from, from hearing me on the radio, some things that were hits, and... You know, some things from here and there, but a lot of familiar things, I think, to people who've seen me before and those who've heard me on the radio. Great. You've uh, written a lot of songs with a lot of partners. Like, uh, this album is mostly, it's uh, Boss Gags music. Mm -hmm. But you've written with um, David Page, going back to the Toto thing again, David Foster, Jim Carroll, Dan mm -hmm. and Dave Huff. Mm -hmm. uh, do you like writing with partners? Or well, do you prefer when I was working here in Los Angeles a lot, uh, I, I did a lot of collaboration. And uh, generally speaking, I would uh, ally myself with one of the, uh, you know, real strong keyboard player, arranger, writer types uh, and do an album with them. David Page and I collaborate, 
collaborated on the uh, Silk Degrees album. Then David Foster and I worked on the Middleman album, and Michael Lomardian and I worked on um, uh, an album called Down To Then Left. And Patrick Leonard you worked with as well? Uh, yeah, we did. Actually, it was a song that Jeff found uh, that Patrick uh, had recorded. It was a demo that Patrick had made, and then uh, I finished it up. But that was something that Jeff came in. Patrick and I didn't actually work uh, per se, and I, I, I'm certainly aware of his, his work and his talent, but uh, we haven't worked head-to-head, -head really. But, yeah, there's so many uh, brilliant, um, and I mean I mean brilliant musicians and, and, uh, and musical minds in this town that um, it seems uh, kind of part of the process to, to get together with, with these people. And uh, it's just... Uh, among the musicians that are available to do sessions with and the writers and musical geniuses that are around. It's just, to me, that was a big part of being here. Otherwise, you know, you could be, uh, you could be anywhere else and uh, do your own thing, but uh, I was always stimulated by the atmosphere around here and all the, the smart guys. Pool of talent. Lots of <laughs> that, yeah. Do you still live in San Francisco? I do, yeah. Mm -hmm. have for many years and probably always will. Uh-huh. Will you do another song for us? Sure. Uh, let's see. Let's do um, Sierra. Okay, mm. here we go. One, two, three, four. Across his sky, the 
line up for him every night Some have wings, others sing The rest do lazy ballets in the air What about the one who said he loved you? What about the one who said he cared? He's off in the high Sierra But don't bother looking there Sierra Buzzcags live at FM 101.9. That is a beautiful song. Thank you. And, you know, one th thought I had while you were playing is it's got that signature Buzzcags sound. However, there really is no signature Buzzcags sound because if, how would you describe your music if someone said what type of music do you play? I don't know. I'm play? always curious because, uh, you know, I don't, when we talked about um, making this album, uh, I had talked uh, with, well, friends of mine and my management and we talked about producers and and I talked with people from uh, Virgin Records, my company, and uh, they said at some some point somebody would say, "Well, just do that that kind of that Boss Gag kind of <laughs> kind of sound thing." And I, and I uh, for one split second, I thought that I knew what they were talking about. Then I realized that um, I have no idea what that might be. I mean, I had some idea. There are some elements, but uh, when when I look at the body of of the work on on this album, we, we really cover a lot of things cover a lot of musical styles and um, I don't know I've just been following around my voice for all these years trying to figure out what it, what it is this guy what he wants to sing and um, I like all kinds of music so it's hard to put a put a, a label on it. yeah just the voices I guess well it is, really got. it is your voice that stands out and you hear it it's like that is boss gags but um, yeah you've been you know classified as like Blues, R&B, blue-eyed soul, uh, however you want to put it. Well, that's, we that's a good part of where, you know, where I started. That's mm -hmm. that's my first uh, first love in, in music is blues and rhythm and blues. So, and that bass is definitely there. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's I grew up in that part of the country, and that's what I learned to play guitar on, and that's really all I all I uh, uh, do. Mm -hmm. uh, everything else is just some, something off to the side. I had always thought your first album was the one that came out in 1969. It was called Boss Gags. Mm -hmm. But I heard that in 1965 you went to Europe and recorded a solo folk album. Mm, that's a nasty rumor. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did that. It wasn't really. Um, don't go looking for that record, please. <laughs> and if you've got one, I think it's uh, worth a lot of it. money if you've got one. Well, I, I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, that's what we were talking about, though, the return to the singer-songwriter thing. I'd love to hear that. Yeah, well, that's happening. Oh, that record? No, it wasn't my own stuff. In fact, it was just stuff that I was playing in clubs at the time. And uh, it was done in one night. And believe me, um, it, it, it's better off wherever it is. Really? So you don't have a copy of it? I don't. I really, I don't have one. And, um, I've seen copies of the cover uh, here and there, but I haven't heard uh, any of the songs on it. Don't miss it. Let's not talk about that. Let's talk about <laughs> All right, we'll move on. In 91, you joined up with Donald Fagan, and you were part of his Rock and Soul Review. Mm -hmm. uh, a great album came out of that. Was that a fun thing to do? Yeah, it was, it was really good. And um, it came out of, uh, I think, something that, uh, that I had wanted to do for some time, and a number of other people have tried to, tried to do it. And, but Donald really carried it off. And in New York, he uh, did various club dates, called it the New York Rock and Soul Review. And... Uh, it was sort of a big surprise to me to hear about it that uh, Donald's always been sort of an idol of mine. I consider him one of the real geniuses of our, of our time and with his work with Steely Dan. And so the fact that he was playing uh, around clubs in New York doing R&B songs was really exciting to me. And I happened to be in town one night when he was doing it. And um, he featured some, you know, some real wonderful players. And it so happened that... Uh, he wanted to uh, take it a little bigger and expand into with the idea with some other people and uh, I got invited to do it and uh, it was all done with just the spirit of uh, of what he did it for originally which was just to sort of pay tribute to those songs and that era and and those musicians and singers and um, just for the hell of it just for the fun of it just for the love of that music and uh, it uh, really kept its uh, integrity throughout it all. We did a couple of nights at uh, at the Beacon Theater in New York, which were you know well attended and recorded, and the album got around a fair amount, and uh, we decided to go on the, the road that summer and play for a few weeks uh, doing that material, and uh, that turned into sort of a uh, reunification with, uh, with uh, Walter Becker and, and, and Donald on stage, and I think gave them confidence to, to go on and, and uh, pull steely dan out of the out of the hat again and uh anyway rock and soul review was was a lot of fun i hope we get to do it again sometime it's a lot of fun to listen to i love the album mm -hmm. just like you said pulling out some of those great songs and having great players such as yourself and donald and michael mcdonald and mm -hmm. phoebe snow and and it's, mm -hmm. yeah it sounds like a party it was it was a really all for all the right reasons you know we, we love the music right well we love your new album However, Thanks. we still love your old stuff, and of course, you, you did a lot of stuff early on, um, but it was 1976 and Silk, Silk Degrees that brought you the superstardom. Uh, and I understand Mike Morrison, our program director, begged you and pleaded with you, please do low down. Baby's out running around, hanging with the crowd Putting your business in the street and talking out loud Saying you bought her this and that How much you done spent I swear she must believe it's all heaven sent Hey boy, you better bring the woman round To the sad old truth, the dirty load down Who 
put those ideas in her head now, now. Nothing you can't handle, nothing you ain't got Put your money on the table and drive it off the lot Turn on that old love light, turn a maybe to a yes Same old schoolboy game got you into this mess, yeah You better come on back around To the sad old truth, the dirty lowdown Put those ideas in a head, boy. I wonder, 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 wonder who. to be so cold this doggy dog existence sure is getting old you gotta have a jones for this and a jones for that this running with the joneses boy just ain't where it's at no you better come on back to town to the sad sad truth the dirty lowdown Those ideas in the head now. I wonder, 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 wonder who.
Vazgags live on FM 101.9. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming in today. Thanks. Pleasure being here. Well, it was our pleasure. Uh, the new album is called Some Change and is available in your local record store. I urge you to pick it up because it's really wonderful. You will be appearing tomorrow and Sunday nights at House of Blues. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. those shows are sold out. On behalf of everyone who doesn't have tickets, any chance you'll swing back through here on your way back from the East Coast? Well, I hope so. We'll, we'll keep that open. Okay. Yeah. Well, please do. And if you do, the door is always open here. Oh, We'd love nice. to have you come back in. Glad you're here. There are a lot of people talking about your new station, mm. and it uh, seems like a, a breath of fresh air here. Great. So, good luck. Thanks very much. Good luck to you. I'll see you tomorrow night. It's amazing. You can go back almost 30 years, and it feels just like yesterday. <laughs> that was from August 5th, 1994, uh, first time I ever got to interview Boz Skaggs. Did it again years later, but that's another story for another day. With that, we're, we're at the end of my week off. I'll be back Monday. With an important show, Rebecca Jones will be here to pull back the curtain about what Ron DeSantis is doing here in Florida. It's frightening. So we got that to look forward to. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks for listening. I'll see you Monday.